Hey, profs. Welcome on in. My name's Rob Lightfoot, proud two-time alum of Rick Edelman College of Communication, class of 2000-2001. This is Beyond the Brown and Gold. I'm Jessica Kennedy. I'm the co-host here, also a two-time proud Rowan alum, class of 2008 from the Rick Edelman College of Communication and Creative Arts, and 2015 from the College of Education. Thanks so much for joining us today. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM presents Beyond the Brown and Gold, a show that highlights the lives and memories of Glassboro State and Rowan University alumni. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Lightfoot and Jessica Kennedy. And on today's program, Jessica Rose, yes, we're visiting the College of Humanities and Social Sciences. We are. Actually, the College of Humanities and Social Sciences came right to us. They did. I know. I love it. I love they, our chess alums. They said, "Hey, uh, why don't you why don't you why don't you talk to this girl?" So we did. <laughs> so w- today we are talking with Stephanie Poe Serdan, who is 2019 alum, non-traditional student. Yes. BA Human Services, and just because she could minor in criminal justice. Oh yeah, we barely touched on that criminal justice yeah, piece did. in the interview, but that's an interesting tidbit. And here's the thing: is she's pretty active. Uh yeah. I mean, she's like lived a, she said that she's been living a life of service and she's nine years nine old. Nine years old. So we're going to go from nine year old Stephanie to, we won't say how old Stephanie is now no. because that's just rude. But nine year old Stephanie to now has been caring for others and she's been doing it personally and now professionally. And now she's just ready to go to Tampa and just. I was playing. Ninja, the palm I was trees. playing with Ninja Turtles at nine. I wasn't thinking yeah. about anybody else but myself. I was pretending. You know what I was doing at nine? What? Pretending to be on the radio. I used to go on the beach. Isn't that weird? I used to go on the beach and used to pretend I was like my own radio DJ. Oh, that was see that was how how who how, knew? This is like full circle. S- Me full and circle. Stephanie. Me and Stephanie. This is fantastic. Stephanie's fantastic. You're gonna you, love her. You're gonna check it out. We are so fortunate today to have Stephanie. Stephanie, hello. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for the welcome. I'm happy to be here. And on this trip, on this episode, we're officially in the College of Humanities and Social Sciences. Woo-hoo, we haven't yes. dipped our toe in the water in a lot. There. Not much. We've had a handful. Yeah. A handful. But as Stephanie said before we started, what what are the chess alums doing, Stephanie? What are they doing out there? We are out there saving the world. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> One human at a time. I love it. We're doing big <laughs> things, and Stephanie's doing great things. So we figured we'd bring you on the show today to kind of learn about more of your story and what you're doing these days because you are doing such important work. Um, but I'm going to pretend like I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's the thing. I don't know. You don't know. So (laughs) your questions will be really authentic. (laughs) Mine will be completely You're just going to lead (laughs) me to the most important questions to ask. Well, let's start out the one question that we do ask folks, and it's, how did you find your way to Rome? Where did you grow up? Tell us a little bit about Stephanie. Absolutely. So I grew up in Defer Township, New Jersey. Um, I did my elementary, middle, and high school years there. In addition to Defford High School, I graduated from Gloucester County Institute of Technology. I split my junior and senior years. What Um, were you doing at GCIT over there? Oh, Oh, GCIT. Yes, you do. (laughs) (laughs) I took their allied health program. Okay. And when I graduated, I achieved my certified home health aid license at that time. So proud 18-year-old me had a certified home health aid license. I always knew I wanted to help people. And you knew at 18 you wanted to go in people's homes because that's a big that's a big ask at 18 years old. Yes, yeah. I did. Were you doing that for family members or? Yes, yes, I was. I assumed some adult-like responsibilities at the age of nine by wow. providing babysitting duties, changing diapers, warming formulas, sterilizing bottles at a very young age. So 
I, I enjoyed it. I knew that I always wanted to service other people. And um, a lot of the women in my family have roles, careers in which they service others. So yes, I was doing it in my family. And Did you have um, lots of siblings or cousins? Oh, well, my mom is the youngest of eight, and so is my father. Oh, wow. So, Whoa. <laughs> okay. So That's you had eight. no shortage of little ones, I'm sure. No, not at all. And I do have siblings. Wow. Yes. Yeah, I'm the oldest. Okay. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's I mean, a lot of family to keep track of. Oh, my of. gosh. And it you're is. for the holidays. <laughs> Could you imagine? No, you yes. just have to do a secret Santa yeah, at that secret, one. One yeah, gift. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pick and go. Right, yes. So then, so, all right, so you did the GCIT thing, and then... I did. I did. I did GCIT. And um, my first job was at 15. I was working at McDonald's. And um, then I started working at Walgreens. So customer service there. When I graduated at 18, I started working for a large agency in the the state of New Jersey where I spent 18 years um, servicing uh, adults with intellectual and or developmental disabilities, 21 and older. Yeah, so that experience really, I I was blessed, very fortunate to be exposed to it and provided the opportunity to serve in a role as a direct support professional Mm. because it really um, opened my mind up to like endless possibilities and servicing others that, that need the support. In addition to working with that population, I also did 13 years of hospice work. Mm. And oh, that's that, I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I have. A, I would have such a hard time with that. Uh, that, that no, how do you Jess, do that? That's exactly what I thought. So when we first met to like really break the fourth wall here, I guess when we first met, I was like, How do you do that? How do you do that? Because yeah. it is. That's what I, I. I believe. I think I said when we had our first lunch. I was like, Oh my gosh, that's so hard. <laughs> and it is. It is. I'm emotional. You get attached, and I don't think I could ever do hospice. But when I did, I loved it. And I think, yeah, it was very, very rewarding to be able to provide palliative care to someone who's in the final stages of their life and to be there and know the care that you're providing, that they're getting bathed, that they're getting fed, that you're providing companionship services. Very, very rewarding. I'm sure. More rewarding than the financial reward of yeah, getting yes. a paycheck yeah. every week or biweekly. So I didn't think I could do it, but when I did it, I'm like, oh, any any anyone could do that. If you have it in your heart to just be supportive and nurturing and compassionate to someone during that time, you can do it. You, you, can, it's bond, sad. With those, you bond with those families, I imagine. I actually still keep in touch with a lot of the families. Wow. Yeah, yeah, because... It's interesting. It's kind of a double-edged sword. A lot of the families, they associate me with the death of the loved one. Mm. So initially, there's that sadness and disconnect, but we always tend to find ourselves communicating and interacting. And one of the closest families that I was with before I actually stopped hospice, she lives in West Stafford, and I had uh, dinner with them about a month ago. Mm. And their mother passed away couple years ago and we still talk and there's a, a patient that I had in Cherry Hill I think her mom passed away maybe 10 years ago and we still 
communicate. So those relationships don't dissolve despite the transition of the loved one. They stay intact because people remember how you make yes. them feel. Yeah. Exactly. I feel like that's such a, you're playing such an important role in the family and during that transitional time for people to know that their loved one is being cared for maybe in a way that they're unable to do themselves. I feel like that's really you be, have to become part of somebody's family in that during that experience because there's so much trust involved in that in that position too. So I can imagine you get very close. Now, Absolutely. were you doing all of this and and full time, part time? How did you? Because you were like working already, and then you came to Rowan. Yeah, yeah. You were so, a busy lady. I I was busy. I was very busy. I transitioned into independence at eighteen. I got my first apartment. And um, I was doing the nonprofit organization full time, and I was doing the hospice part time. Okay. And so um, you had two jobs. Yeah. I had, yeah. (laughs) I had two jobs, and then age 21 came a baby. So so I had three jobs. jobs. One one was unpaid. Yeah. (laughs) A child does more than one job. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I agree. It's the the job that never ends. Never, never. Um, and you should be paid for that job, but, but we're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you should be compensated. Started going to, um, at that time, I'm going to take it back a little bit. It was called Gloucester County College. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Now RCSJ? Yes, RCSJ. Um, I went there. I achieved my two-year degree, associate's degree, and I knew I wanted to go to Rowan. I knew I wanted to interact with the owl. I knew... <laughs> <laughs> I've I, never heard anybody say that. Yes, I, I've yes. Never said that. I have a five by seven picture with the owl. Get out from graduation. Yes, oh and my gosh, I love I it. Love it. Yeah, maybe that's the picture you should submit for your yeah your your photo. Yes, yes. I'll do that. Oh, I love it. Okay. I'll do that. I sure will. Um, yeah. So I I knew I wanted to be at Rowan. Um, specifically the human services program because I had already been working in human services and I I knew that's where I wanted to be for the rest of my life. This is what I want to do. Um, The flexibility of the courses that are offered. I am a non-traditional student. If I don't check off all the boxes, I check off most of them. (laughs) You know, single parent. Um, When I graduated, it was 2019. I'm 38 now, so we're 2023. Just totally non-traditional. Competing priorities. You have to pay your bills. You have to take care of your child. And um, in addition to that, education is important. It's important for what I wanted to do. Yeah, I was going to say, what made you, because you're already in the field, what made you pursue a degree at that time? I wanted to um, stand alone as an independent provider, which is what I am now. Um, And in order to do so, you need to have your bachelor's degree. Okay. Yes, yes. So, again, super blessed for the eight blessed with being employed by the previous agency because I was allowed to get uh, tuition reimbursement. Oh, nice. Yeah. I had f- a flexible schedule and a leadership role. Um, and did they give you any credit hours? Because you put your time in. Like, yeah. you should, you should <laughs> did you have to intern? I don't think so. Like, you were time working. served, I feel yeah. like. Interesting. I did have to intern. Okay. But I, I'm, I, I, I know. <laughs> I appreciate that experience because I did a dual internship. I did Center for Family Services. Okay. And I also did Burlington County Superior Courthouse, the juvenile probation department. Um, My major at Rowan was human services. My minor was criminal justice. So I always thought I need to, I want to service individuals and perhaps I can take my experience and knowledge 
to pull that into servicing individuals that have intellectual and or developmental needs that are involved in a criminal justice system for okay. whatever reason. It's very specific. I feel like she yeah. checks all the boxes, though, of our previous world, right? Mm-hmm. The intervention. Yes. So the intervention. So you must know Rob's previous life, and my previous yes. life is in uh, substance abuse prevention. Uh, That's how we know it. Well, kind of. We know yeah. each other from here, but then we also knew each other in our professional worlds as well. So, like, for me, I did um, – I worked at a substance abuse prevention agency, and I did all coalition building. So I worked with all those community partners, like Center for Family Services and, and the municipal courts and all of those folks to – uh, reduce substance abuse and Rob's agency was kind of like the statewide yeah, like the umbrella organization that that helped kind of do technical assistance and service for those people. so we have a heart for that that work too yeah. and know how much work it, it oh my really gosh yes is. yes mm-hmm. yes in mm-hmm. fact we had on the Cumberland County prosecutor yeah Jennifer Webb McCray oh. yeah she's awesome I worked very closely with her in my my uh, previous pre-Rowan employment life so yeah, so that's that's amazing yeah, though that you did all that. How did that. you how did you do when I came back for grad school? I was married, but I thought that that was like a handful, and it was. <laughs> I mean, I just really wasn't. I was employed full time. I had flexibility, but you had a kid, two jobs. How long did it take you to get through the bachelor's program? Um, did you I, do it full time? I achieved it in two years. Oh yeah. my gosh! Yes, I did. Sometimes yep. these guests make me feel really Bad. poor about yeah. myself. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely an ego check. Wow, that's incredible. It, it's gratitude. My heart is full and it's nourished, and I am so thankful. That the not only as a student do we put in work, our family puts in work to babysit, to mm-hmm. support, um, to listen to us vent. And the professors here, the counselors, everyone played a part in ensuring that I was successful. That is something that will never go away. It was so positively impactful that if I didn't have the compassion and the understanding from everyone, all the professionals that I encountered here at Rowan, I don't know if I would have been able to flourish and succeed so quickly. And I was able to because of the support the role of being a professor or a counselor, they far exceeded it. You know, it, <laughs> they really extended themselves to say, okay, what what are your struggles? What are your challenges? How do we help you to get through this course? You're going to be late. You're going to, you can't make it to class. How do we ensure that you have the necessary tools to push through and with grit? Yeah. <laughs> we had a lot of grit starting out so young. That's I know. Yeah. Any professors or faculty members in particular that you remember that really helped you along your rowing journey? Uh, Sharon McCann. I got to give her a shout mm-hmm. out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. And Laurie Baker. They were phenomenal. They like put like, I think that's a great thing that people don't really like give staff or um, faculty credit for is a lot of times they're taking like students like hopes and dreams under their wings and really helping them to achieve that success. And there's so much support to be able to do that here at Rowan. Everybody that we talk to has a faculty member or a staff member that was instrumental in mm-hmm. in their positive experience here at Rowan. So that's always nice. Yeah, it's not so hear. transactional just delivering the class, the coursework. Right, right, right. Carolyn Gribben, she was one of my professors um, and she was, she understood. Wife, two kids, she was very much like, what are you, we're human services professional. What can I do to service you as a student? Um, and then I had um, Professor Vance Patrick, who um, passed away during the time that I was 
you know, here at Rowan. So he used to, before every class, grit, 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 grit. He used to have us talk about grit and, you know, how do, how do we take our education and our life experience and impact someone in a beneficial, positive way? So, and to, and to frame this conversation for folks who might not know, because I know I think oh, I think we're maybe assuming some, but the human services sector is really <laughs> not as well paid as maybe businesses or you know those financial sectors. So that's why it's really it is kind of a labor of love in this section. It is. It is. It's definitely a, a field in which you have to have it in your heart, and you should if you're servicing yeah, yeah. others. You yes. should. Yes. Yes. Very much so. So tell us about Stephanie on graduation day. How excited were oh. you? What was, your, what, was your, what was your mindset after having accomplished just what you've accomplished in the two years and all that you've accomplished? I'm sure that was a culmination of really everything you experienced. Yes, yes. So <laughs> Stephanie on graduation day. Woo, man, I did it. This, this journey was a long one, but I did it. And if I can do it, anyone can do it. Literally, I felt like I had a lot against me that would contribute to um failure if i chose to allow it but i did not um so i just i felt accomplished i felt successful and then i felt like now i have an additional tool that i can use to benefit someone else and that's exactly what i'm going to do now were you one of those folks my favorite folks at commencement <laughs> are the ones carrying babies around so i think that's <laughs> such a beautiful representation of like not letting anything stop you and being such a positive role model. Were you one of those folks carrying a nugget around on commencement no, day? Oh, they no. probably didn't ever give you enough tickets, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> My nugget at that point was old. Old, you know. He he was Oh man, let's see. He was born two thousand and six. Yeah, so you so. had I'm still going to carry my kids. That would be 12. noticeable. <laughs> <laughs> that would be very noticeable. Because, who, who's behind that other person? Oh, I think it's Jess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be That's different. Funny. Though. That would be different. That is different. But it's got to be inspiring for him to see mom cross the stage. Yeah, very inspiring. Very inspiring. And he has some additional needs himself, so he understands that he understands humility, and I believe strongly that all interaction shall be implemented with humility just keep going doesn't matter doesn't matter what your challenge is I've said this before doesn't matter what your socioeconomic status is your race religion uh sexual orientation be great you you can accomplish anything that you literally set your mind to um, and there's people out here that care and want to help and want to support i think that that is a, a great message to ensure that everyone um, hears and knows there's always someone around to to provide support and encouragement. Mm. So yeah. what was your what was your journey post your graduation day? My journey post my graduation day. So I continued to work like a little workhorse. That's my thing. Um, and then I had established a company, Devani Home Care Solutions, in November of 2014. And I knew Wait, I wanted. You did this before. <laughs> so I just want the timeline. So you were you hadn't graduated yet when you started that, right? That's correct. That's I hadn't amazing. graduated yet. Yeah, and I I knew I wanted to service people, but I wasn't sure how. Um, so I established an entity and I maintained it just in terms of policy development and really trying to figure out where am I going with this this business. After I got the degree in 
2020 is when I submitted an application to become a, a provider in the state of New Jersey under the sector of um, DDD, which is the Division of Developmental Disabilities. We flourished 2021, and we've just been going uphill since then. So I own a provider agency that is authorized with Medicaid and DDD, or authorized by, I should say, Medicaid and DDD. Uh, Medicaid is our primary funding source, and we provide services to adults that have intellectual and or developmental disabilities, 21 and older. And we service the entire state. Right now I have, at this point, about 43 employees. And um, what I love, it, you know, to say, oh, I'm a business owner, I don't think I fully have grasped that yet. Yeah. <laughs> because that's different than, like, you know, you don't anticipate you're going to have a degree in, you know, from the College of Humanities and, and Social, Social Sciences, yeah. and then you're going to start your own business. So I feel mm -hmm. like that's a really unique um, path that you have. Thank you so much. Yeah, it hasn't like <laughs> <It's still not laughs> penetrated quite, yeah. me yet. Yeah, because I am rewarded by the fact that I can employ others. Mm. That's so satisfying to me. Employing others, the work that we do, I am still in the field. I go in the field and I work alongside individuals so and pushing their papers around and doing yeah. casework that way. No, no, and the culture. I'm so big on the culture. We'll probably always be a mom and pop shop, I can say. Collectively, we've serviced over 60 individuals across the state. I want us to stay small. I don't ever want to get too big that we're not connected to the work that we're doing. All of the leaders that report to me, intentionally, they have to work a couple of their hours, a percentage of their hours out in the field. That keeps them grounded and attached to the direct support professionals who are in the field daily. Um, and it also keeps them connected to the families and the individuals that we serve. How can you educate, teach, lead a group of individuals if you're not connected to what they're physically doing? Mm. So I'm like, no one sits on a high horse and no paper pushers. We are all in it together. If you're asking an employee to do something, you should do it. You mm -hmm. should have done it and set the example and lead. So I'm really big on culture and our service delivery. Do it with compassion. If you're not going to do it right, don't do it at all. So we're very selective in who we hire. My thought process is take care of others as you, number one, expect to be taken care of because we're all going to need it one day, mm -hmm. and as if it's your loved one, regardless of who it is. You right. know, deliver services with great care. That's us. Yeah. <laughs> is there a meaning behind the name Devani? Oh, I love that. So my son's name is Devin, and then oh. I'm Stephanie. Oh, cute. I know. <laughs> a little blend. Yeah. A little blend. blend. <laughs> but how do you, like, stay focused or refreshed? Because that's it's challenging work that you're doing. Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, burnout is real. Yeah, oh, especially in that field. It is. It is. And you find yourself in a position that you want to give so much to others. You want to pour in the cups of others, but no one's there to pour into you. So... Self-care, I promote a culture with a positive and healthy work-life balance because I know what it is to have experienced a not-so-positive or healthy one. And just self-care, nails, toes, hair, <laughs> massages. I like facials. Yeah, so right. you can sit still. Yes. <laughs> just yes. great quality to have. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but no, yes. it's all that's, if you feel better on the outside, mm -hmm. right? It, it takes care of some of the inside issues. Absolutely. And you can Not show them, up and be present. And, yes. 
you know, be adequate to address someone else's need, but you have to make sure yours are addressed first. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, definitely self-care. I promote that. Do you mm-hmm. encounter a lot of, um, you call them clients or patients, or I'm not sure what you would call them, but I guess clients. Do you encounter a lot of clients that are, you know, not receptive to you being there as the care giver? So, when I was doing hospice, and we do service uh, seniors now, we have a sector for senior, they're mostly the non-receptive mm. individuals on the forefront. Um, and I've always received positive feedback from their loved ones, like, hey, my mom or my dad responds to you totally different than they <laughs> respond. And I'm like, well, number one, don't feel bad. It's because they're comfortable with you. Yeah, yeah. I'm a stranger, so it it may cause anxiety or it may be scary to them as it is for me walking into someone's home on the first time. However, they're not going to show me their, their true selves because they're not comfortable yet. I'm sure I'll learn them once they become <laughs> comfortable. Usually with the seniors, there's that wall up because they're transitioning. So, you know, they're in a stage where they're in receipt of a lot of instruction. The same applies to our individuals um, that have a disability or, or disabilities. Um, the approach is really what is my saving grace because I always start off with, um, I am not here to tell you what to do. I'm here to serve you, and there's a difference. I want to enhance your life, not cause chaos or interrupt your life. I say that on the forefront, and that's typically received well, and you just see like the relaxation, yeah. like, okay, there's You're not another. You're reducing that barrier, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, You're a very calming presence, though. Yeah. I would like to reserve you now for my <laughs> hospice care. Please make oh, it up no, for my husband. No, no, no. Just regular care. Let's just do regular care. Well, how, how do people get you, by the way? Yeah, like do they have to request you, or you have to be a referral from a doctor? Like, how does it, I don't even know how that service works. Yeah, so... Like other provider agencies, it's pretty, most of our referrals are word of mouth, and it's funny because we do such a great job that the case managers, the social workers mm-hmm. out in the field, those other human service professionals refer to us. Yeah. Mm. So that's how we get them. But do we, they, so oh, like, to get me personally. Yeah, so, no, 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 no. I don't want I, that I, other person. Yeah, I don't want no. what's happening. I know that. I have your email and phone book. Yeah. Um, but how, how, so like. Oh, yeah, you're older than us. You should be reserving yeah, her before, yeah. <laughs> before I am. True story, true story. You're not, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I've made it this far. So far, so good. No, but so does somebody need to get a referral from like their doctor or does Medicare have to provide? I guess that's how I'm like. Or can Joe, like how is the payment work? Kind uh, of like can is that Joe average just call up your your service line and say I need you for my family member? Yes, okay. anyone can. Oh, call so it's that easy. There's no. Absolutely. I didn't know with insurance if there were other hoops you had to. We've like, worked in nonprofits, so we know sometimes yeah. there's hoops to jump through. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's that's one of the sad issues I'll yes. say with this field. There are a lot of a lot of hoops to jump and navigate for individuals that are really in need and deserving of services. Which especially as, as I'm seeing some things now, but as, as folks age, just the services that are available, the cost associated with those services, and just the pieces that come through. It's just, a, it's incredible what's out there. But, and, and to have to jump through the hoops yes. at a time when you need it to be easy and you need it to be fast. That's right. And you need it to be high level. It's just not, it's not there. No, no, it's not. And there's not too many services that support the families. Mm. I'm a big advocate. Mm, that's I didn't see it from on that, that perspective. Yeah, 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 because you have a lot of children of patients who are in that sandwich generation. 
So they have their parents kids to take care of. They have too. their kids. Yes, yes. And likewise for the other population, typically if there's a guardian or a sibling that's taking care of them and they're just I just want to go out and like go on a date or go to the movies or take care of myself, we need someone for respite services mm-hmm. or just to come in and alleviate some of this for us. So it's refreshing that people are actually speaking up more so nowadays that I say to say, hey, I need help. Mm. I need support. So you are seeing an increase in that. We are seeing an increase in now, that, Now, would you yes. say it's an increase more from, like, I'm always curious what happens from the, the pandemic piece. Mm. Are you seeing more, like, post-pandemic, or has it just been on the rise, pretty steady increase? I'm seeing it more post-pandemic mm. because a lot of us were stuck inside yeah (laughs) with our significant others with our kids and you need you need to get some fresh air after that and people started realizing wow we went through a pandemic everything changed things were shut down and we need to start asking for help now rather than waiting you know i don't think it's funny like the pandemic is like such a weird thing but i had a 14 month old when everything shut down. There are lasting impact on what that shutdown was. We didn't leave the house for 14 months. You know, in some ways I could see the personality traits that were developed during that time that were impacted. So it's just, I feel like we're not going to know that long-term impact for a while. But I feel like it, it must have impacted so many different generations. I mean, to have parented through a pandemic, which, you know, nobody had really done before. I mean, there was just so many... So many weird Yeah, the isolation of so, the isolation pieces yeah, yeah. and not going out and interacting with others and it's just hard. But circling back to your to your rowing time, you did come back to campus as I understand, like in the last year or so to, to give a talk? I did. That was at the human services banquet. So who was the audience first and then what was sort of the message that you were hoping to, to convey to the, I guess, I imagine students? Yes, yes, students and their loved ones. The audience was students of the human services program i think there were actually other departments a part of that okay so i think it was a banquet under the umbrella of college of humanities and social sciences the message that i wanted to convey is i by no means had a silver spoon i didn't even have a road map resilience is what got me to where i am today and that it does not matter the obstacles Um, Your journey and your path is what you design it to be. There's no such thing as a bad day. We have bad moments, so let's process that and um, identify solution-driven responses and keep going Mm. because our fate is in our hands. We can have anything um, occur in life. That's life. It's really how you manage it. And always be kind. There's no reason not to. Always be kind. Sometimes a smile goes a long way. Hi, how you doing? Um, A close friend of mine, Sarah, said to me years ago, Steph, you have a way of making people feel 10 feet tall. Mm. It's just being nice. It's just being nice. Um, You never know what the next person is going through. So it's not woe me. It's how do I manage what is happening now for the betterment of myself and others, you know. And along those same lines, Stephanie is helping others here at the university. We're starting a scholarship. Ah. You're going to start a scholarship. So that's fantastic to be helping students here at the university. That's yeah. somewhat mirrored sort of your path here uh, of non-traditional and such. Yes, non-traditional. There's always someone willing to help if we know. So, yeah, and I did contribute to the Thrive program as well. The Thrive yeah. program. Yeah, Thrive is great yeah. and the yeah. wellness center there. I'm here to help. 
<laughs> Use me. So I would love the opportunity to sit down like this yep. with all of our alums. What a wonderful opportunity that we have to do that because you really feel connected to the alum and they're more than just, you know, one in 110 plus thousand folks. They're people doing amazing things in the world, helping other people and just... They make my heart feel good. And I, when I first met Stephanie, I said this to her. I said, Steph, you're doing such big things. Mm-hmm. Not that others aren't, but... There's the, so many people doing big things. That's We're lucky to be able to talk to folks, but... But just the care that she's providing and that she's just she's just so down to earth and just like caring about everything. So it's great to have folks like that. We need those folks out in the world. We need more mm-hmm. of that in the world. She's very calming. I feel like I would like her to just come maybe to my home a couple times a week. Yeah. Okay. All right. I need <laughs> to think, take care of me. Yeah. I, th- <laughs> I think I think that's something different. <laughs> but but no, Stephanie is wonderful. I am so glad that we got to bring her bring her in today to talk to her. And if we did all the other alums, it'd be like it'd be a lot of interviews. I think. I know. I don't think we would have time to do all that. But if you're an alum yeah. that's interested in being on the show, we would love to hear your story. How do they do that though? They can visit go.rowan.edu slash btb guest really i didn't even know that was a thing yeah it is i think i, so I just show right. up to the show <laughs> <laughs> well, well i'm sure it's a thing so do that yeah you can apply online we'll review your submission and we'll we'll get back to you and see if we can share your story with other alums you've been listening to beyond the brown and gold on rowan radio 89.7 wgls fm you can find more episodes on your favorite podcasting platforms by searching for beyond the brown and gold or rowan radio on demand 